Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Gargoyle Podcast. I'm Nathan, a.k.a. the Gargoyle, and joining me once again is Eric. Say hello, Eric. Hello, I'm Eric, a.k.a. the co-host. <laughs> it's That's better than the Clint Eastwood, I guess. <laughs> I'm going to start coming up with nicknames. On uh, next episode, I'm coming up with new nicknames. Just, yeah. I got it. I already, I already know what I'm going to say now. Okay, good, good. Glad, glad you know where we're going. Uh, all right, so we are continuing on with the dead kid week uh in 60 days of halloween and yeah that man even the title is just a rough week like my wife was getting on to me because one of the ones that i posted it's 60 days of halloween exclamation points death of a child (laughs) and she was like it seems like you're really excited about that because of the exclamation points it's like no no it's like 60 days of halloween we're excited about halloween Uh, fear of death of a child week and she's like no i I read that as 60 days of halloween dead kid week (laughs) yeah so yeah it's um it's hard to write up that one in a way that we don't it seem is. excited about i just made i made this uh this week really tough on everyone yeah this is just make eric miserable week uh all right so we are in our third day of um of dead kid week it's terrible <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> absolutely terrible. we're just going with it now though it's too late to go back day three uh and today we are talking about before i wake and we're going to be doing the same thing that we've done on the other reviews, prior information, technical components, emotional aspect, uh, how rewatchable is it, and who do we recommend it for? So let, let's dive into it. Uh, what, right. what prior information did you have? So this is a, one of the movies that I kind of just picked on a whim because I saw it on Netflix and I was like, oh, this sound, I've, you know, I'm a big fan of Mike Flanagan, um, who is the director of this film. He also directed Hush, uh, which is really good, a great home invasion kind of thriller horror movie um and gerald's <laughs> game which is another stephen king adaptation that is fantastic like it's one of my favorites in recent memory it is so good uh, i don't think you haven't seen it yet have you Nathan? no I, i've not seen either of those hush does look amazing hush um is great like it, it seems very it's such uh, a cool premise oh what's oh crap i'm i'm drawing the blank on the like classic the strange, hitchcock oh. where uh where she's blind not deaf Oh, I'm, I'm well, I a terrible horror fan. In, anyways, um, yeah, like it looks great and it looks awesome. It's really good. And Gerald's Game is actually even better, I think. But anyway, so I knew that it was uh, it was shelved for a little while. It was actually made before Hush and Gerald's Game. And I think that because of how successful Gerald's Game was, Netflix decided to pick up this movie. Um, it, it, I don't think it was shelved because of the quality. I think there was some sort of issue with like the company that was distributing at the time went bankrupt sure um so i because of that though i was still a little hesitant about it because it's like typically when a movie sits on a shelf for a little while it's not a great movie yeah um except for the fact that like sometimes there are movies that just like aren't picked up by distributors um right the the most immediate example is tigers are not afraid oh which man, is freaking I've been amazing sitting, i've been oh checking on God. this one because you were telling me about it and i keep checking to see oh if it's going to get a release and there's nothing out there right and, now and it actually would be perfect for uh for your fear week i know that's what yeah that's oh what God, i've read it, it is such an amazing amazing movie but yeah it's just not being picked up it doesn't make any sense whatsoever absolutely amazing so that's my it's rebuttal to there's a, subtitles and people don't like to read and they're lazy. It also involves kids and murder. Well, yeah, and I guess that's true. Rough. It's not very marketable, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that, like, that is my rebuttal to, oh, it's been shelved. It's not going to be good. Mm, before I wake does not have a like distribution and not before I wake tigers are not afraid. Mm-hmm. 
does not have distribution and it is freaking amazing. Did you, did you watch it at a film festival, right? Yeah, at uh, Chat, Chat Film Fest. That's right, Chat Film Fest. Oh, God. Anywho, before I wake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I didn't have any prior information. Um, I, I had seen it scrolling through Netflix mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that looks interesting. Yeah. That that was the extent of it. I'd read a few reviews too. There's a film critic I really like named Scott Weinberg. Um, I follow on Twitter and he loves this movie. He's like a huge horror geek. Um, and so whenever I saw that he really liked this movie, I've considered that to be a pretty glowing recommendation. So when I saw it, I was like, this would be perfect. He and I would disagree on things. Yeah. I, this will be an interesting episode because I actually really like this movie. Let's get into the technical stuff. All right. So what from a technical standpoint so not like how did you feel about it not the just overall like oh despite this it was awesome because i mean we kind of did that with pet cemetery of like yeah here are all these flaws but who cares because it is still mm. just an amazing movie yeah so i think that with before i wake it also is kind of flawed um it's its flaws are pretty obvious later in the movie for me um like I feel like it's a really good movie and I really liked it, but um, the script is really clunky at times. Like there's a lot of really unnecessary exposition. Um, there's like this therapist character who goes in and tries to explain. First of all, we didn't talk about this, but the premise is basically about a kid who his dreams come to life. So basically, he he goes to sleep and then um, the peop- the parents who have adopted him see his dreams manifest themselves in reality but also his nightmares manifest themselves. And that's kind of where the horror side comes in. Sure. So anyway, I really like the idea, but later on the script gets super clunky in terms of like, there's this therapist that's trying to explain these things about the dreams and how they're subjective and blah, blah. I don't know. It's kind of stupid. And then the third act kind of has that, uh, same problem that Joshua has where it really tries to lean into the concept a little too hard and it really just completely abandons the logic that was established earlier in the film. And then the whole third act of the movie is total exposition. Yeah. It's, See, and all of those things are part of why I don't like it. Yeah. The, <laughs> so without getting into too many spoilers, I just, I didn't care about any of the characters. And to me, that is such a huge, huge piece of a movie. And, and part of it is, this isn't really a spoiler because this is like the opening of the movie. It starts with um, with the kid, whatever his name is, just asleep in a bed, and his what you find out later is his foster dad going in there, and he has a gun, but then something happens, and the dad gets attacked, not the kid. Mm-hmm. And then it jumps to um, Thomas Jane and uh, whatever her Kate name Bosworth. is. Kate Bosworth. Kate Bosworth. And, like, they're... I don't even remember how it started, but... Like it starts with them. They're at an adoption agency. And, is that what it starts yeah, with? Yeah, and they're trying to they're trying to adopt a kid, and because they had a child who died in an accident, a yeah. young child that died, and so they're kind of. And, I guess this is kind of their way of healing and trying to get over that grief. Except it's done so poorly, um, and and just like it throws you into the middle of these characters, which a lot of times it's like, yeah, that's what you do because Mm -hmm. you don't know all of the backstory of everything. You only know where you pick up at, which is fine, but it's almost like knowing a little bit more about their backstory was, it was so necessary for where they were in the story. Yeah. They don't, the characters are kind of ill-defined, especially the parents, uh, because you don't know anything about them other than the fact that they've lost a child. That you don't even know like what their jobs are or anything. I don't. Th- 
thing. I, I think but maybe it maybe, says it somewhere. I think, but so like the it's just weird. Like apparently they're having relationship issues, mm-hmm. but the only reason you know that is because like they explicitly say we're having relationship issues. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's, oh, because she goes to like therapy and she's like, oh, my husband's not yeah coming with me but but then they don't actually show that dynamic they mm-hmm. don't show the relationship problems uh, as opposed to we need to talk about kevin sometimes i'm going to forget the movies and it's going to take me a second because we've just <laughs> covered so many like and we need to talk about kevin you see their interactions you see that their relationship is crumbling a little bit you don't need them to say our relationship is crumbling because we're having a hard time grieving over the loss of our child I think I would disagree with you a little bit on this one because, well, no. the conflict, it's its more implied in the beginning, basically just there's kind of this chilly relationship between the two of them. And then the conflict really manifests itself later on in the movie because of this kid who comes in and has this, I love the way that they play on the parents' grief, like it, especially since this is my greatest fear is losing a child. Like I really it was okay that the characters were kind of thinly sketched because the main conflict for me (laughs) was when, (laughs) so it's not much of a spoiler. It kind of is a little bit, but basically the, the kid, he, his dreams come to life. So the mom starts telling him about their child and therefore like when he, he'll have a dream and she'll be able to see their dead child that has died in this accident. And then there's this big conflict between the parents about whether this is ethical or not. And I, I don't know. I really like that. I thought that was really compelling for me yeah, because but, I completely but sympathize show, with both sides of the argument on but that. But that like. doesn't show anything about their crumbling relationship. It's, are we just using this other kid like as a, as a stand in to be able to see our dead kid? Mm-hmm. Like that worked. That was just fine. It was the, Oh, we're having marital problems. Then actually show those marital problems. Like their interactions seemed fine. Yeah. They didn't seem great, but they didn't really seem that strained. It was just kind of like, eh. Well, I think that's the, I think that's like a good picture of how grief would work between people. We're getting into this would be more of this is more no, analysis. When, when kind we of get stuff, into the but, analysis, I'm going to go into a lot more. So this because I feel like that's exactly what would happen. Like you would be distant from each other. You would still be. There's nothing really like between you. Nothing that either person has really done to the other one. It's just you have this huge hole in your lives. And because of that hole, it causes issues between you, not necessarily because of anything you've done. But much larger issues. Like, I I feel like it was way too underplayed. I didn't care about any of the characters. Uh, You find this out early enough. So minor spoiler, I guess. Uh, Their kid had drowned. Mm -hmm. And you, like, see flashbacks to that. And so like uh, yeah, at one point whenever, Thomas Jane's installing yeah, like, those he's hand installing the handrails before the other kid comes in. But like Cody. what were the parents doing? Or, I, this this bugged me. Like this was a huge thing that just logically it was just like this this bugs me and kind of not cool with it. I understand the fact that kids drown way too easy and it happens way too fast mm-hmm. and like especially during the summer like you turn your head away for a second and they drown in the pool. I get it it's scary like i understand that is a huge realistic thing he wasn't in a pool and he was in the bath yeah i also understand kids can drown in bathtubs so this isn't like oh that's unrealistic but he was obviously old enough that they trusted him enough to be taking a bath on his own mm-hmm and it's not like anything super crazy was happening because like he was flailing around yeah so his arm still worked like well it mm, i I can't i can't get into that right now because it's kind of a spoiler but anyway like 
again, I get that it can happen, but it was just like, wait a second. Ah, if he wasn't really old enough to be taking a bath on his own, where were they? If he was old enough to be taking a bath on his own, but you know, like maybe mm. not that old. Why did they have the tub filled up so high? Like, there's just so many questions that that I feel like could have played a much larger role, especially in explaining like why their marriage is falling mm. apart. Because maybe, maybe she had said to him, "Hey, will you go check in on him?" And he was like, "Oh, he's fine." Like just showing a little bit of that a little bit of that at the beginning yeah. could have had a huge impact, especially because later on, spoiler, but whatever, uh, <laughs> when the new kid is in the tub and like she goes to the door and like she's just standing there just listening, mm-hmm. and Thomas Jane walks by and he's like, "Oh, he's fine, he's fine, yeah," and it's just like, but is that what happened in the first place? Because if so, that like would make the scene much more impactful. As it is, that is true. That is something that I noticed too. Because he's like, "Oh, he's fine," and I was like are they going to follow up on this or like, cause I like, I feel like that was a pretty pivotal moment. It's yeah. like, but then they don't really do anything with yeah. it later. It's like, Oh, our last kid died from drowning in a bathtub. We're going to put this one in the bathtub with the door closed and just assume that yeah, he's with the fine. door closed. That's weird. I mean, I guess because it's not really their kid, he's new and it would probably be kind of weird to have the door open. But I mean, I, that was I'm just weird, saying I there were a lot of things that could have been very easily fixed that I think mm, it is really really bugged me you didn't need to start with a foster kid start with the parents mm-hmm. losing their original kid follow their story and then add in the new kid or start in with the kid and then add in the parents like it was there wasn't a very clear this is the person that you're supposed to be following mm-hmm. to me there were technical yeah, things that back- bugged me it goes back and forth between the perspectives. I do think that if we're going to be talking about characters still, <laughs> the, the kid, Cody, who's played by Jacob Tremblay, who was in the movie Room, um, he was fantastic. Like, I thought his character was really well developed for the most part, although it's it's kind of a slow reveal in terms of... I don't know where I'm going with this, honestly, at this point. But yeah, I, I thought I really liked his acting. I thought there were a lot of really cool details, like the way that he's like he's terrified of going to sleep. Sure. So he's like got, he like stashes away like energy drinks and things to try and stay up all night. And then the way that that affects him later on in the movie is very interesting. Uh, I yeah. think the concept is exe- itself, which is really the crux of the movie. I think it's executed really well. I think the concept is good. I did really enjoy the uh, the visual effects. They're the, pretty good. Yeah, the especially, creepy scenes were super creepy. Oh my gosh! I'll the, give them that. The canker man, the like monster in this film, is terrifying. It is so scary. <sighs> Could have called it something else. The that doesn't no, and we'll get into that because that is a it's major a stupid, spoiler. It's a stupid name. The so the visuals were terrifying. It it's here's one of the other things that bugged me about it. A kid who has nightmares. Like, they don't progressively go from, oh, here's a good dream, Mm -hmm. and here's a good dream, and it's going to get a little bit worse, and it's going to get a little bit worse, and then after, like, a week of having good dreams, then, like, it's going to grow into this. No, like, a kid who is having nightmares is having nightmares. So even though... Even though I loved the visuals and what they did with uh, what happens when he is having a good dream, it's beautiful, and I love it. Mm -hmm. It, it progresses a little to... It's because it's a movie. It has to, Nathan. Exactly. It's a movie. Put your psychology it, degree it to the side. It progresses a little <laughs> bit too much from things are good and then getting progressively worse mm-hmm. rather than here's some good, here's something terrifying, but here's a little spot of good, here's something terrifying. Mm-hmm. So like what it was at the end 
is what it should have been the entire time. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I still liked, I mean, again, it's, it's a freaking movie about a kid whose dreams come to life. You can't really psychoanalyze it that in depth. I don't feel like, yes, I'm sorry. I can. I'm sounding very, especially because no, we're still talking about technical crap. <laughs> <laughs> especially uh, there are plenty of movies that have a supernatural element that are never explained and it's fine they don't need to be explained this movie really tries too hard to explain it 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 tries too hard to explain it but also without giving it a reasonable explanation it's Mm -hmm. just he can do this there's a huge huge backstory which is just like straight up spelled out for you because you don't have enough context cues to pick it up it's spelled out of here's exactly what's going on rather than here's just this thing and it's unexplained. I I don't know. It bugged me that there's this world in which this can happen and it's just like totally cool. Like it's just, oh yeah, by the way, here's this thing. Congratulations. It's just <laughs> the screenplay definitely feels like it's kind of a, an early draft. It feels like it could have gone through and maybe another rewrite or two. So that way these elements are more evenly distributed throughout the screenplay. That way it's not just like these huge info dumps and that they don't necessarily need to handhold you or hold your hand throughout the film. Yeah. Um, I do like, there's one little thing I wanted to mention and I love, there's this really great detail. I love the way that the dreams are subjective in that you can see how they change from his experiences. Like, I go into a lot of detail and spoil some things, but there's one that I don't think is a spoiler. So early in the movie, he has dreams about butterflies and none of the butterflies have antenna. But later on, he's at school and he's drawing a picture of a butterfly and this little girl's like, oh, butterflies have antenna and she draws the antenna on. And then after that, when he dreams about it again, the butterflies have antenna. And I just think it's really cool the way that they layer in these little details and they don't spell that kind of stuff out. Like it's just there and for you to pick up on. Stuff like that is really well done. I'm really hoping because Hush looks amazing and because I've heard wonderful things about Gerald's game wonderfully terrifying things about it yeah it's, it's pretty scary I, i'm really hoping that this one is the result of like producer uh interference mm-hmm. of like someone else coming in and saying you need to do this i think that's true when this movie was picked up by netflix first of all it was picked up in uh, like most netflix movies it was picked up and dropped on the service like really fast yeah. and i my, i follow mike flanagan on twitter and he posted a bunch of tweets that was kind of like I love this movie. It's very near and dear to my heart. There are some things that I wish I could change because of the issues with the distributor and with, you know, I didn't really get to finish the movie. Um, and he throws in some like little tidbits and stuff. Um, I don't, it's been a while since I've read it, so I don't remember what they are, but it is definitely one of those cases where you can tell the director didn't really get to make the movie he wanted all yeah. the way through. And and I really... And flashes of brilliance throughout it. It's, it's definitely flawed, but I still found it to be successful overall i i really hope that this is not the movie he wanted to put out um and and like here's one more thing on the technical which i think will kind of lead us into the emotional side of it actually it's also going to lead into who i recommend it for i don't know who this movie is for because Mm -hmm. it starts out very i don't want to say i don't know if this movie is for people who want like just a good-ish movie with a slight thriller aspect Mm -hmm. or if it's for like hardcore horror fans but either way i don't feel like it quite hits yeah well because the horror elements are really really good and like the first time that you see the canker man 
yeah, like that's it, it kind of made me go, bah! like it, it definitely startled creepy. me. And from what had been happening up to that point, I was like, this is so unexpected for what I've seen the rest of this movie. Yeah. And who I would have recommended it for up until this point. Nope. That's out the window. Yeah. But the people that I would recommend it to because of some of these startle scenes, it's like, but would they <sighs> want to sit through the rest of the film? Yeah. And, and so again, I feel like, what was it rated? Was PG-13. it 13? I feel like it was trying to go for an R rating. I think but so. it had to be cut back. It's it's kind of interesting because Mike Flanagan is clearly more comfortable with the horror aspects of the film. And he yeah. is a horror director. I mean, all of his other films are firmly in the horror realm. Although this isn't, it's kind of more of like a, and I'm pretty sure he even objects to it being labeled a horror film. Like he thinks of it as more like a supernatural thriller, kind of like yeah, a fairy horror. tale. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I mean, still like it is, it is a little bit more of a family drama with horror elements thrown in. And so I don't think he quite nails the family drama aspect of it as much. He's, he's not as comfortable with those. So aspects of the movie, uh, there are people out there who are going to be mad at me for this and we need to move on to get through the rest yeah, of no, it. We're good. <laughs> Compare this movie to the Babadook mm-hmm. and the Babadook is absolutely like a thousand percent. This is a family drama of uh, just They're two similar, people yeah. dealing with a loss and how that causes an extremely stained relationship. And the monster is a representation of one of their fears and, and grief. Mm-hmm. This has a lot of very similar themes. It's done in a slightly different way, but I, I, I feel like if he, if he could have gone for a hard R rating, that it actually would have been a lot better because maybe they should have, or maybe they could have shown some of the stuff to give it a little bit more depth yeah. rather than too much stuff has to happen off screen. Okay. Here's a chance that we can get in a good like jump scare and then, Oh crap. We have to cut it back now because we're yeah. back to PG 13. I, I, I don't know if I'd want it to be rated R. It doesn't feel like an R like it should be rated R because it's very, for the most part, it's rooted in this child's perspective. I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> I guess I can see your point because but of the then if comparison I'm, to the Babadook. Well, but. and if I'm going to recommend it for, to someone like, oh, this one is a relatively kid-ish friendly, mm-hmm. <clears throat> not kid, but, you know, someone who is just getting into horror, who doesn't like too many jump scares, doesn't like a lot of blood, because I don't think this has any blood. Like for someone that I would say, oh, it's a gentle horror movie. You're just starting out. This one would be good. Yeah. The jump scares I feel like are way too intense. So like that's. They're, they're, I mean, they are pretty intense, but they are telegraphed very heavily. So you can see them coming a mile telegraphed, away. Telegraphed, but okay. So except for the jump scares, I would recommend this movie to like a 13 year old. Yeah. But I'm not going to say, hey, 13 year old, watch this movie. Have fun sleeping. Like. <laughs> And, and that's what I'm getting at with that. Like, I don't really know who to recommend yeah. it for because it's like, it's a good intro horror movie, like to get someone into the genre who typically would say, I don't like horror movies, except if they don't like horror movies because of how frightening they are. Some of those scenes I feel like would stick with them way too easily. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just, I feel like it's in a very weird in between hmm. anyways. I can definitely see that. that that's how I feel about it. So that's, <laughs> that's, your that's emotional my emotional aspect. response. I I didn't hate it, even though there's a lot of things that I had problems with. There's I still thought, a lot of good stuff in it, I think. It's, yeah. And for me, especially because of the way that it relates to my fear, like I had a pretty deep emotional response to it. Like there were times where I was like truly 
sad for these people in this movie, even though, like you said, they could have been fleshed out a little bit better. I thought that the grief that they felt and the acting was good enough that I, they still felt like real people to me. Um, and that I could really connect with them on a, on a character level. Um, so yeah, like when certain things happen, whenever they're having to go through seeing the accident again with the child, uh, with their biological child, like, man, that like really hits, hits you in the feels. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's rough and it's sad. And, um, especially with Cody too, whenever you kind of find out exactly what's going on with him and why he's having these dreams, you know, it's like, man, this is, this is so sad. I mean, it's really sad, but it also, I like that it also kind of ends. I don't think it really earns the ending, but it mm-hmm. also is, is uplifting in a way that I didn't expect and that I liked and that it tries to be kind of positive. It leaves some questions. There are a few questions where I was like, okay, are we just not going to address this at all? But at yeah. the same time, um, I still like that it would try to be kind of uplifting and positive. It really, it very much feels like a fairy tale kind of movie in a way. It's, it's, or maybe more like yeah. a grim fairy tale because it, <laughs> it's, um, it's sad, but it also tries to leave you with a little ray of hope in the end, which I liked about it. I, I guess my emotional reaction was I kept going it's back still and frustrating forth. at times. I definitely understand your frustrations because I felt them too, but I thought the elements that were strong were strong enough that it was easy for me to overlook them. I, I went back and forth between, well, that's dumb. Okay, that's pretty cool. Oh, God. I, I just don't care about these characters. Mm. But that's a really awesome scene. I don't, man, this is so, okay, that looks pretty cool. Ah, frightening. Like, I just kept going back and forth. I There wasn't, for me, a consistent enough. It, it just wasn't consistent enough. Yeah, and I agree. I definitely think there are glimpses of like, all right, this could have been done really well. I definitely want to see uh, more that the director's done because... I think that it could have been a lot better. Mm. This is easily the weakest movie of his I've seen so far, um, but I still liked it. I think you would like his other stuff a lot better, though. It's a lot more consistent, and he's a lot more comfortable with the material in the other films. Yeah. I, I, I feel like this one just, it suffered from not having someone say, hey, this part right here kind of needs fixed. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think that if there had been, I don't know, maybe if they had been able to screen it and get some feedback and fix it, rather than just oh netflix dump here you yeah, go i think that was part of the problem because it was again I, I it was hope so i think it was screened before it was shelved so there were people that had seen it and then there were all these issues and it got shelved and then at that point i think <clears throat> they really just were like all right let's just release it the way it is and i think that the movie kind of is an early cut of the movie that could have benefited from test screenings i, and I it didn't I really, really get that chance so. to do that um but but i didn't hate it I say a lot of negative things about it, <laughs> but there are some really, really great scenes, some really frightening scenes. The CG, it looks great. The canker man is a really cool creature design. I do love the story about like why that creature exists. Mm-hmm. So I do love the backstory. I do love the concept. There's a lot of things that I did enjoy. There were just, I, I just had a lot of problems so I'm curious with it when to I was know watching. If, I'm curious to know if you would rewatch this movie. Um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, it's one of the ones that I wouldn't be opposed to rewatching it. So, like, if I went to someone's house for a movie night and they're like, oh, hey, we're going to watch Before I Wake. I'm like, all right, cool, sure. I guess. I just, whatever. Would I sit down and actually be like, ooh, I know, I really want to watch this? Probably not. Mm-hmm. I I feel pretty similar. For me, I, I think, like, I think it's rewatchable. I don't know if I would go out of my way to rewatch it. I think, for me, it, it's um, it passes the Forrest Gump test. So what I mean by that is like, 
if I happen to stumble on it on TV, even though it's Netflix, so that would never happen. But like if it was on TV on like TNT or something in the middle of the day, I'd be like, okay, yeah, I can sit down and watch this for, I can just pick up on it wherever it's at and watch it where it is. Yeah. No, Forrest Gump is amazing. Uh, yeah. that, that movie is highly rewatchable. No. Okay. I mean, I'm not saying it's as good as Forrest Gump, but I'm just saying like, that's the test that I have. Like, would I stop what I'm doing and watch this movie if I stumbled on it on TV? Like if, or if I'm like go over to my parents' house or something and it's on TV there, would I sit down and watch it or would I just leave the room or whatever? I I, I definitely would see myself or like if somebody, if Allie would decided to go back and watch it, because it was funny because when I was watching this, she was working on homework and she kept like kind of turning around and getting distracted by it. And then when she finished her homework, she actually sat down and finished the movie with me because she was like so into it. Yeah. Um, So I think like in that way, that's how it is rewatchable for me. Yeah. I, I think that it is able to be rewatched it's not one that I'm going to like super seek out. Mm. and Yeah. All right. So who do you recommend see it? So for me, I think that if you're a fan of kind of like fairy tale stories, or if you like Guillermo del Toro's movies, this isn't as good as a Guillermo del Toro movie, but it is, I don't even think it really feels like a Guillermo del Toro movie, but it's kind of that same, like if you like magical realism and you like to see horror and fantasy and drama kind of mixed together, then I think that you could probably, you'd probably enjoy this movie. If you watch the trailer and you feel like it's a good concept, like if it's something that kind of grabs your attention, you'd probably enjoy it. Um, just, you know, kind of keep these, those caveats in mind that it is, it does feel like a film that is a work in progress. Yeah. Uh, so I recommend it for people who, who are starting to get into horror movies and like more than just, Oh, I like thrillers, but not horror movies. Like people who are like, ah, uh, yeah, I mean, like, they still kind of scare me, but I, I kind of like horror movies. People who are just starting to get into it mm. and who maybe are looking for just a little bit more scares because, again, the jump scares, even though very telegraphed for people who have seen a lot of horror, if this is one of the first ones that you're watching, they'll get you and they'll get you hard. They, yeah, that's true. So, um, yeah, because even though you see them coming, they're still they're still pretty good. I mean, they're like, I saw all of them coming and I still jumped at a few of them. Yeah. So... So I would recommend it for people who are looking for just a little bit bigger of a scare. If you're like a diehard horror fan, there are things about it that I think that you would enjoy, but yeah, you got to watch it as a, this is a work in progress. Um, if you enjoyed the X-Files, you know, it, it seems like a pretty solid X-Files story. I can see that. There's not really a detective angle or anything like that, but it does they, seem kind of like it would be is, a case of the week. And stupid. Oh yeah, no, that is true. That was, that's true. That's kind of where the movie goes off the rails for me. Yeah. <laughs> so I forgot about that. Yeah. It's, it's, that is pretty bad. Yeah. So, so I've got it's issues. Exactly. With the it. moment where I'm like, uh, I'm not on board with this anymore. Yeah. And, and if, oh God, if they had just like changed the character's backstory to where that is a thing that the character would have done, then it, it makes sense to, I got issues with it. It's not bad. <laughs> I don't hate it. It had genuine scares, but I, I got issues with it. All right. Well, yeah. All right. That's it. <laughs> so uh, be sure to come back tomorrow. Uh, what are we going to be talking about tomorrow? Tomorrow we're going to be talking about hereditary. Sure. Let's do hereditary yeah. next. It was either hereditary or the others. It depends on which one we can record first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So most likely uh, tomorrow is going to be hereditary. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited for this episode. We, we've not seen it since theaters, but I, I think there's still plenty enough for us oh, to yeah, talk about. For me, at least. I've um, got notes. I've got, I've got lots of notes. Yeah. Uh, all right. Eric, where do you want people to follow you? 
Uh, if you want to look at my other ratings and reviews, you can follow me on Letterboxd. Um, my username is Eric J E R I C J A Y. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's Eric J A Y Harris. Um, and I'm on Facebook. It's just Eric Harris. Is it? I thought there was a J in there too. I don't know. I, I, I'll link to it. If you want yeah, to you're going to link to it anyway. So yeah, if you want to follow matter. Eric, you, you can follow him uh, through the website. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Letterboxd. Um, on any of those, just do a search for The Gargoyle. Um, but Twitter is the underscore, gar- the underscore Gargoyle. The rest of them, no spaces or underscores or dashes, just The Gargoyle. Uh, you can also follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Anchor.fm. Again, just do a search for The Gargoyle. Uh, and you'll find links to all of this on gargoylereviews.wixsite.com slash the gargoyle. And if you're enjoying this, let us know. Leave some feedback. Uh, let us know what scares you. Let us know if you were building a week of movies devoted to your fear. What would that fear be? What would the movies be? And um, yeah, be sure to check back tomorrow for more of our coverage in 60 Days of Halloween as we continue to talk about dead kids as Eric smiles. <laughs> you just keep saying <laughs> The more that I say it, the less terrifying <laughs> it is, right? Sure. Yeah. It's like, or maybe it's like Beetlejuice, where the more you say it, the more no. real it becomes. No. No. <laughs> we, we're going you say to say it three un- times in a row, and it's like, oh, dead kid. Oh, that's that's really morbid. <laughs> like that is really dark, even for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeez. I'm sorry. I just can't get used to it. Oh, except now that you're joking about it, you're like, oh, yeah, sure, it's it's okay. I'm just I'm just shoving the pain deep down inside. We're going to keep talking about horror movies and terrifying Eric with his fear of (laughs) dead kids. Uh, All right, so if you enjoyed this episode, what's wrong with you? And please come back tomorrow (laughs) as we continue to talk about very horrible things. And until next time, that's been it for this episode of the Gargoyle Podcast. As always, you can find us where geekery and horror, horror, horror movies abound. Okay, bye.